Hello and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hamer and I'm an international business coach and serial entrepreneur. This podcast is designed for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that can help you to accelerate your success by building your own brand you. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Building Brand You. Today I am delighted to introduce my special guest Hassan Mohammed. Originally from an engineering background, Hassan is passionate about cross-cultural collaboration, co-creation, and building capability in customer experience and innovation. He helps organizations across the Middle East, United Kingdom, United States, and Asia to grow and innovate by transforming their customer experience and by building capacity for innovation. Hassan believes that customer centricity has the potential to transcend customers and have a much wider impact on employees and society. By adopting a people-centered approach and embedding empathy and ethics, driving collaboration and engagement, and developing a deeper and more contextual understanding of cultural differences and sensitivities, and by accelerating business innovation. Hassan is a certified customer experience professional and recognized training provider with the Customer Experience Professionals Association. He is a service design facilitator, executive director of business development at the Customer Institute, and the founder and CEO of Multifarious Experience. He is also a co-founder and the chief knowledge and innovation officer of the Customer Experience and Service Association Middle East. As an entrepreneur, Hassan is an advocate of design thinking in all that he does. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Hassan Mohammed. Well, hello, Hassan. Thank you for joining me on Building Brand You today. How are you? Hi, Kim. I'm very well. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you. We were just having a chat about uh, the weather and our um, respective parts of the world. Uh, it's a bit less than summary here in the UK, uh, I believe you are in Riyadh at the moment. Absolutely, yes, I am in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia at the moment, and the weather is 40 plus degrees, so it's 42 degrees to be exact. I think that's uh, double. <laughs> double the UK. Double, yes, yeah. double the UK. Still bearable. Oh, okay. But, but quite hot, yeah. Yeah, I'll bet, yes. I'll bet. Yeah, yes. So, Hassan, what I like to do with um, building brand new guests is just give you the opportunity to tell us your story, to tell us a little bit about who Hassan Mohammed is. And I sort of hand the mic over to you and you can tell us the story of you. Thank you very much for that. I mean, it's a long, longest journey. I'll, I'll kick off from where I think my journey of exploring, of, of exploring myself began. So really curious person keen on exploration so i'm very keen on exploring people exploring places around myself i like to move between doing different things so very multifarious if that's the right word to use so as a child i always wanted to be involved in different things so uh, you know uh, wanted to be an engineer a doctor a policeman at the same time so you know those kind of things so i'm really passionate about cross-cultural collaborations, so bringing people together 
from various parts of the world, world and then understanding their motivations, you know, how do different cultures work, how can we integrate and align a bit more and bring humans together to know each other a bit better. I think there's so much still for the world to explore. Uh, and I just f- finding myself in the business world, it's a natural way just to travel between countries, meet people, learn about you know, ways of life and ways of business. So it's just been something that's naturally come to myself, but this is something I'm very passionate about, bringing people together. I'm also very passionate about developing people capabilities. That's where I'm at now. I mean, if you want to ask about myself and my journey, I qualified as, as an engineer, a very technical person. Although my passion was always doing something entrepreneurial, something very creative, being involved in innovation and changing the world, you could say. I chose a technical profession because at the time I graduated, we were experiencing you know, the, the global recession. And a lot of advice at that time was, don't do something new, you know, do something that's risk averse, just do, just do engineering. You know, I was good at maths and physics and chemistry, so just went along with it. After about six months in working as an engineer, I decided that you know, I had to do something else. So that took me straight in, uh, into a path of the nearest thing I could see to engineering was operations management, which is more of management than you know, uh, working technically on products and services. And that part of it was very exciting for me. So managing people, managing operations, but still it wasn't really what I, what I really wanted to do because there was still less people involvement in it. So by chance, I went into the field of sales and business development. It was, so it was about co- and then connecting. Uh, I graduated from the UK, did my master's there in advanced manufacturing technology. Again, again very technical, but I came back, back to Saudi for a bit. As I was working in Saudi Arabia with, with engineering firms, there was a demand for British and US-made products and services. So that's where my passion began of connecting people, connecting different cultures. And I started saying, okay... I can help you find these products that you're looking for, which are based externally. And that led me to setting up a first company, Multifarious Engineering, in 2012 in the UK to help promote trade between the UK and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia in the field of engineering and construction. So that's how I my passion of business development, bringing people together, knowledge transfer and technology transfer. That's where it all began. But it slowly and eventually it morphed more into moving away totally from products and technology and more into people, creativity and innovation. And so I stepped into the field, the world of customer experience, service design, merely by an introduction from a very close friend of mine who just said, you know, this is what I do. He also came from an engineering background, was, but was very keen on innovation. That's where I, when I first read a book called The Ten Principles Behind Great Customer Experiences by Matt Watkinson. Uh, and that really changed my mindset. So this is what I have to do now. This, I have to go, get into this. I, wa- I want to be in a field where I can design, you know, experiences for people and services. Put a smile on people's faces. So long story short, that's, why, that's who I am, what I do. Excellent. Like most guests and most people I speak to, I think what's really interesting is it's never a straight line journey. No. So in terms of the straight line journey into customer experience, which is what you do now. And you talked about that personal passion for uh, cross-cultural business, cross-cultural experiences, moving between different things. So how, you know, how does all of that happen? Uh, you're, you're obviously in Saudi at the moment, but I know, you know, you've lived in the UK and, and other places. So yeah, how yeah. does that, how does that kind of happen uh, for you now in the customer experience world? 
a few years back, almost 10 years back, when I started the first business, I was spending 50% of my time in the UK, 50% overseas in Saudi and other regions of the Middle East. And I could do it that time because I didn't have any obligations. Uh, but slowly and surely, when I got more into, the, into business and also expanded, extended my family, got married, I had to settle down in more locations. It was most majorly the UK. Now, lately, again, we've, I've had to make this move again, from the UK to Saudi Arabia, purely because the government is really driving customer experience transformation here in, in Saudi Arabia. It's a great demand and need for it. So that's what's made me make the move from the UK to Saudi. But still, again, I'm very keen on, once again, traveling and exploring different regions. Does that answer your question or, or, was, or, or not? Yes, that's yeah. that's perfect. And yeah. Any answer is good on building brand new, Hassan. <laughs> I, I can I can catch any answer. So I'm, I'm really interested. You know, the, the UK and 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 Saudi Arabia. There's not many people who, I imagine, have that that kind of dichotomy of experience that you have. So what what are some of the big similarities and the big differences that you know between uh, Saudi uh, culture or customer experience and that in the UK? Right, so let's talk about similarities first because I like to start with that. I think the, the general culture uh, and especially business culture is, is quite similar in that when you go into your first meetings with people, you're not expected to just go in with uh, taking people through documentation and going through a proposal and those kind of, you, you expect to have a light conversation and that light conversation usually lasts for a long time. Uh, for, if, if your meeting is for an hour, you would have, you know, You'd be chit-chatting for about 30, 40 minutes, and then at the end, you would start talking about the real business deal. So I think in terms of the way people interact, it is quite similar. Uh, the humor as well, people share similar, you know, kind of, kind of hum witty humor between both places. Uh, the UK, as you know, is very multicultural. Saudi as well is opening up its doors towards tourists. So there's this uh, move towards transforming the economy, which is really driving uh, change again. Uh, helps to create better collaboration between uh, both places. Uh, in terms of differences, there are differences in the way that you would be expected to, uh, you know, be behave and conduct yourself, but they're all manageable. I think that's the beauty of different cultures. You know, every, every culture is distinct and mm. it's about how you align to those cultures. How do you align to those differences and, and adapt yourself? So I think for someone, uh, that's the only bit of advice that I would give to people is always come in with an open mind, learn the differences and try and adapt and blend it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's great advice for anybody anywhere um, coming into, I think to anything that's, that's new. I was just thinking about your, your story then about, you know, if you go into a business meeting, you know, 30, 40 40 minutes of an hour meeting might be, you know, light chit chat. And for some people that might be quite frustrating, you know, or for people who, who are not perhaps great at small talk, um, who are used to getting to the point, that sort of thing, that, that might be something that takes some yep. getting used to. Yeah. yeah. So I am a person who would fall into the matter category. So I don't, yeah, <laughs> I, I like to get straight to the point, but obviously I, I've developed this over time, this, you know, having a bit of cushion in the beginning to being just talking about other things before you get into the meat of the content or of the meeting. So, 
yes, that is something that has to be learned and people need to just adapt to that. And not, then again, saying that not every meeting is most meetings, most business meetings or partnership meetings will be like that. But when you get, when you're in a client facing mode, obviously you've got limited deadlines, you, you, you know, you've got restricted time and you have to deliver within that. So it changes. But if you're looking, if you're going out there for the first time, meeting people, exploring partnerships, then obviously it takes time to develop that because the reason for having the chit chat again is to develop, to, to understand the person, to know a person rather than to know what they're, you know, what they're trying to sell or what they have. So it's about who, you know, it's about knowing who you're dealing with and developing a deeper relationship with them. So it's a very relationship focused culture. Mm. And, um, you know, I've not traveled to Saudi Arabia at all, so I can't speak yeah. firsthand, but just in in some of the work I've done overseas and particularly recently in um, Barbados, uh, yeah. very, uh, when I say relationship driven, you know, having those, some of those personal conversations really, you know, takes you a long way into your client relationships. And we talk, one of the things I talk about a lot with clients is empowering your empathy by thinking about it as building a bridge so yeah. it's not just about understanding the other point of view it's about the two of you standing on either side of the river perhaps or the road and saying what do we need to know about each other to work out whether there's something we can do about building a bridge and meeting in the middle and working together Absolutely. and and, and there's that you know we don't sometimes we don't build bridges with certain people early on in the piece we might sort of say well this has been lovely but I don't think it's a right fit and there's there's nothing wrong with that but it's that whole investing in the bridge building activity and that conversation that rapport building to work out you know whether you're like-minded you have like values whether you have like aspirations all of those sorts of things I think really form the basis of great partnerships I think they can also form the basis of great client relationships. Yep. Well, if we get them right. And I mean, is it how how does that work for you? Is that something you agree with that you you see? Uh, I think you touched on something very important. So building bridges is a is a core element of of this relationship based business. So you're you're there to build the relationship. You're there to build the business. And the thing is, if you try and treat people like you know like you treat your friends. So you're trying to understand them. You're trying to be of value. And that really helps, again, to foster those connections, build those bridges. Just spend time with people. I know, as you mentioned, it is, it is an investment. It is an investment investing in people, investing your time in understanding them, meeting with them, being of value to them. So when they ever come to think of, oh, you know, I, I need someone who's a specialist in building brands. Oh, I know. I know Kim. She does it. So, you know, it's about being there, being present. Mm, being top of mind isn't it yeah exactly yes being top of mind so you're sort of building this familiarity between you this comfort and this recognition between you that 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 builds that trust and that's really important absolutely so speaking of bridges given you you I'm speaking to a an engineer who emerged into the field of service design and, and customer experience how how do you bring some of the engineering and service design into customer experience or are they so completely different that you've just taken the leap and ended up in customer experience with a whole new toolkit? Great question. I think customer experience, now the thing with customer experience, everyone has their own definition. 
so customer experience in my perspective is a combination of a number of things. Number one, it's about how you represent what, what your brand stands for. So people remember it, your brand based on the experience that you offer. So it's, it has a very close connection to the brand to start off with. Customer experience also is very closely linked from a strategic perspective, but also from an operational perspective. So how do the interactions that you have with the customer look like? Most customer experience people come from an analytical background. So they say they, they analyze lots of data. So they get customer data, customer feedback in the form of service that they create, analyze it and say, okay, so these are our frustration points for our customers. They would map a journey. And obviously journeys are complicated, but we try to linearize them make them very linear and uniform so that we can understand them. And then they start saying, okay, these are the pain points. If we want to improve our journeys, we need to overcome these pain points. So they work on this kind of closing the loop, we call it. You know, So if you have a complaint, how do you close that? You need to find a way to take action and respond to that complaint to close it. So that's the analytical approach to customer experience, which is very valid. What service design does in some ways, it is very similar, and customer experience has taken tools from service design, from design thinking. Um, so if you look in the UK, there's the Design Council. The Di Design Council has a framework or methodology called the Double Diamond. It's a, an approach, a methodology to apply service design to any, any problem or any situation. And it's, it's called Double Diamond because there are four Ds. It's called Discover, Define, Develop, and Deliver. Within this, you have it's a you've got a number of things going on within this. You have tools and methods, you have research, prototyping, etc. Within customer experience, they treat service design as one component, but this is the component that helps to drive your creativity, your innovation. How do you differentiate yourselves from your competition? How do you develop innovative business models that are customer-centric? The approach again is in customer experience traditionally is analytical, whereas in service design. It's much more subjective. It's much more creative and messy. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it, how yeah. there's something in um, innovation and even in, I guess, relationship forming, it's the messy middle. It's where yeah. all the storming happens and yeah. nothing quite works exactly as you want it. You haven't quite gotten all the norms sorted out yet and all the processes and all that sort of thing. And I, that's the bit. I get the most inspired by. I'm a big believer in in metrics and measurement, yep. and actually yep. looking hard at saying, okay, well, what is working? Um, but also asking, actually, what is the data really telling us versus yep. what story am I making over the top of it? So I think there's a, um, I don't know who it was that that said, you know, you can prove anything with statistics. Yeah, some, absolutely. Some famous quote, you can make yeah. the numbers work to suit, to suit yourself. And that's yeah. not denigrating the numbers. I think there's a place for sort of the, is this working from a metrics point of view, whether that's a monetary or a, some sort of customer measure or your your sales or your lead generation. But I also think there's there's something to be said for playing in the messy middle. Absolutely. And, and getting creative, getting mucky. The, the, the benefit that customer experience has, as you mentioned, is the metrics. Uh, so you can, you, can, you can have metrics such as net promoter score, customer satisfaction, number of complaints, and these can be used to prove a business case. Service design sometimes struggles to do that, to have definite metrics. But where it really is, is powerful is in solving problems. It's in identifying problems, solving mm. them. 
Mm. Uh, and it's of very powerful in creating concepts and, and quickly validating them as well. I still remember two things that stick to my mind when people talk about service design, which is one is it helps you to not just solve problems because service designers, if you speak to any service designer, they will think they have the ability to solve any challenge in the world and they're here to change the world, right? Oh, wow. With, with design. Uh, at least that's my perception. <laughs> that's what I think people feel. It's a mindset. It's a methodology. It's a framework that you use to solve problems, but also to challenge your assumptions. That's the other really good, not good, but really powerful impact of service design. The first day I went into service design training, they said, okay, here's your challenge. You need to find out, you know, how so-and-so system would work. Just, okay, go out there and do it. So we had to go out there in public, ask people questions and even show them, you know, capture our insights and even show prototypes and say, what do you think? Out in the open, on the street, which initially was very difficult, but then as you get used to it, you know, you say, okay, this makes, this makes sense. It is challenging, mm. but it gives instant results. Yeah, yeah. I, I think part of the challenge as well is that we're so self-conscious, uh, yeah. but, but then all of a sudden it gets interesting and yeah. all of a sudden it's about the conversation you're immersed in and what you're learning versus, uh, you know, what am I doing and, you know, how self-conscious we are. I think that happens in all sorts of areas, but I could just, yeah. when you said we had to, you know, I had to go out into the street and ask people, I just thought must have been horrified to be to learn you had to do that first day was horrifying second day <laughs> but then as you get into it you you it just becomes a way of life you get yeah. used to it yeah. but it is the fr- first bit this is where people struggle and they say okay why are we doing this how is this we're used to sending out surveys to people at a distance now we're you're expecting us to go face to face with random people and ask them and you've got this fear of you know oh are they even going to respond to me but it is very powerful, though. Absolutely. Uh, the, so I'm really interested in, in this whole idea of changing the world by design, particularly, <laughs> yeah. particularly yeah, I know, you, you knew I was going to go there, right? Uh, but particularly um, as an entrepreneur, I didn't start as an entrepreneur going, I'm going to change the world. But for me, there's something about one person at a time. What I want to do is make a difference, make contribution you know shift people's thinking and as an entrepreneur that that's what I I love that that ability to to change the world but I don't think it's restricted to entrepreneurs I think we're all kind of leaders in our own lives we're all entrepreneurs so I was watching watching something and they talked about that human beings and the ability to be creative um, sets us apart from all yeah. the other living beings on the on the planet. So there's kind of something about perhaps we were born to be entrepreneurs and then and then we learned not to somehow or a whole lot of us learned not to. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself, whether you you own a big business, whether you're actually at some stage in your career, early, mid, more senior stages, I think there's something about thinking about how you change the world using design thinking to reflect on what problems do I want to solve and who am Absolutely. I in that. Um, I'd love to explore that a little more. I think um, a lot of Building Brand New listeners are kind of in those spaces. Uh, so it'd be great to get your thoughts on how some of that shows up in your own life perhaps. I mean, you've been in corporate, you've been an entrepreneur, you're a family man. Um, you know, how, how does 
that design thinking approach show up in a day-to-day sense for you? That's a wonderful question. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I really do. And design thinking is such a thing that you cannot restrict it to your work life. That's the thing. You, you get so attached to it. Or just, you start seeing the application of it everywhere you go. So how do you apply the principles of service design or design thinking? How can you apply them in your own life? And how are they quite useful in, a, in, in other ways, helping you what you do in your life? The first thing is you need to come in with an inquisitive, curious mindset and have this can-do approach. I've seen service designers have this really can-do approach towards everything. There isn't anything called, I can't do this. And that's because they don't come in to any, any problem or any situation looking for a solution. That's the biggest thing. You're not coming in to solve anything. You're just coming in to explore and find out and investigate. So that's the difference. There is a quote from Albert Einstein which says, uh, you, need, you should spend most of your time I'm paraphrasing it. So mo- spend most of your time finding what the question is or what the actual, before, before solving the problem, find out what the problem is. Mm. So 90, mm. I think it's about 90% of your time. Mm. Uh, so that's the principle that you use in, in service design or even in your own life. So just go out and exploring mindset, explore things, see why things happen in a certain way, try to find patterns, try to find insights. And part of that, those insights are majorly through observation something called ethnography. So you observe people and it's called listening with your eyes. You know, it's like, you know, just looking deeply at things. Why does someone behave in a certain way? And then it teaches you the skill of talking to people and, and asking them questions to learn more about them. So why does a certain user or a customer behave in a certain way? What do they do in their day-to-day lives? What does it, their day look like? So it's really, that's the biggest thing. I think if you're, if you're, if you've built this discipline or this mindset of being curious and discovering, investigating, that, that leads you automatically starts leading you towards the the right path. So it's, so find the right problem to solve first and then solve the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. That is a service design quote. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say that again? So we can have it again. Find the right problem to solve. And then solve it right. Nice. Nice. Put that in the show notes. I think that's a great takeaway. And I don't know quite why this is, but we live in this culture of uh, let's get to the solution. And while we can explore, I think, you know, we can explore and ask questions. Often what we're not doing is asking questions to define exactly what the problem is. Yes. And I, and I come across that a lot in um, a lot of the people I coach. So, you know, whether it's leadership coaching or someone in, a, in their own business, uh, people in their career, it, it's about starting with spend the time, not asking questions, but reflecting yeah. on what the problem might be. And if there's been attempts at solving a problem before, Either perhaps it wasn't the problem you were solving or perhaps you weren't looking at it through the right lens. You know, it might be a problem for someone but not for the customer you have or it might be a problem for you but not for them. Or I think what I like about, about this design thinking and this exploring and, and not jumping to solutions is, is spending that time looking at things from different lenses. Mm-hmm. I think that's Absolutely. really important, yeah. Yeah. And the design council, again, have tried to capture this in a structured methodology. Even though it appears structured, the actual process is quite messy. I'll, I'll again, reflect back onto the double diamond. So mm. 
you got the first diamond. So if you see a diamond opening here, it's mm -hmm. called converging, uh, diverging. Sorry. So you're diverging, you're exploring, you're trying to find the right problem. Then you converge. That's the first diamond. So you find the right problems to solve. Once you found those problems, then you start diverging again, the second diamond. You start exploring solutions and then you converge. Just yeah. to it is quite interesting, very practical. And as mm. you said, it's not, not jumping to conclusions or solutions mm. initially. And it is about building that discipline, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. all, yeah, it, it's like anything. It's all very well to, you know, yeah. see the, the tool, for example, the, the, you know, the double diamond. But I love that idea of let's be divergent first. Let's just yes. throw everything on the table. It's a bit like that brainstorming analogy a bit, isn't it? Yes. It's nothing, nothing is ridiculous. Just I think of it as let's put everything in the bucket. Let's just put everything in and then everything we'll tip is. the bucket out and have a look at what's there and start to converge and think yes. about what's realistic, what makes sense, what what we put aside, things like that. So, I, But I love that idea of the, the double diamond as a divergent, convergent yeah. I way. Do, yes, I do highly recommend viewers to check out on Google or we can post the link in as well. Double diamond by the Design Council UK. Yep. And they've, they've uh, amended it and there's a new version of it, which is a bit more comprehensive. Yeah, great. Context. Yeah. So in terms of applying that in where someone might be in their career or their business, could you give us an example of something where you've had to explore perhaps solutions or, or opportunities, um, you know, particular circumstance, and perhaps how you've applied the, the double diamond to you know, perhaps making a, a choice or moving to a solution in your work life or your career or, or something like that? Uh, multiple places I've applied this. So I applied this. So as my background, you know, it's about building capacity and capability within people. So to try, I've applied it to tr training. So I said, okay, let's talk to people. Let's explore what kind of trainings do people like to have? What, what kind of education programs do people prefer to have? Even remotely, you can kick off things by talking to people. So what does your current journey look like? What are you currently interested in? How can, we, you know, how can education help you move in your career path? So my, my particular case, it was focused on customer experience education and, and certification. And then, you know, what can we do to explore this? So we're working with them on, on specific tools. Then we started bringing in tools and methods. So we've got journey mapping as one tool. You know, empathy mapping is how do you empathize with the customer? And you can empathize with the customer by involving them themselves so you have a group of customers say okay what would you be thinking feeling doing in a certain context so again it's a very messy way of doing things but once you get into the habit of doing it you start applying discipline to it the biggest misconception that people have about design thinking is that it's all about ideation so it's all about getting together in a group brainstorming solutions on sticky notes and that's it that's part of it uh, but the real part is when you actually speak or observe and you try to find out what the problems are on the ground, you have to do that hard work on the ground. Find those problems, work on tools and methods, come up with solutions. That's another area where service design really differentiates itself. We create prototypes. A, a prototype could be a simple thing using cardboard, for example. You can, use a, you can use a piece of paper to illustrate a computer screen or a mobile screen, for example. If it's a concept, you can, you can illustrate the concept using Lego or role play. 
So that concept of prototyping is another big differentiator for service design. You don't go into implementing large-scale projects unless you're confident that your prototype works. That's a, a, a great thing, I think, for anybody, um, particularly back yeah. building brand new listeners. And one of the things when I started uh, my business, my own business, was testing stuff. And yes. there's, there's nothing more heartbreaking when you spend months writing stuff and doing all these things and then nobody buys it. It, it, it happens so often. So it's about, I often use the term like a minimum viable product. So you kind of yeah. get, okay, okay. so let me, let me test some sort of prototype. Then let's launch, do a soft launch on a minimum viable product. And then let's work out what people really use and really want and really need as we go along the way instead of gathering it into this very prescriptive yes. list kind of you can list all the things that you might like but 90% of them you probably never use and it's yeah. probably you know three or four things that keep you coming back or keep you hooked into a particular product or service or idea so I really like that idea of prototyping and I think it's something that you know we can do it from a product yeah. point of view but I think also from a service point of view we're looking at courses or we're looking at programs just test some stuff out um, get you know it might be a smaller group of people to start um, get some feedback get direct feedback on what people Absolutely. experience in using your service or your product or, or whatever it is you, yes. you're wanting to bring to market and I think it's it's almost like um, design thinking it's a bit of that messiness again nothing's ever finished yes and if you take it to a micro level, it could be a simple thing as creating a, a, a document. Or it could be like typing a Word document or it could be typing a proposal or building a presentation. Don't be afraid to just, just have that first draft. Just go ahead and do that first draft, even if it looks like rubbish. Just do it and then get feedback. It's a much quicker way of doing things. Yeah. I think the issue is when you aim for perfection, I find that quite difficult. And, and that's why I think I've naturally aligned to design thinking. If you aim for perfection all the time, you, you, you never get satisfied with that first draft. So just, mm. just as you said, just going out there, just test it. Just get feedback on it. And gradually yeah. it will iterate and improve. Yeah. I mean, that's actually how I, how I launched Building Brand You. Yeah. I was, you know, I had some, some other things going and I, I started to think about, I wonder if this would work. So I just started to put some stuff out on social media, had a yeah. bit of a, had a good response uh, and then, you know, at the start of last year, when we all went home and didn't come out for 18 months, um, it was that whole conversation people had about, I feel invisible. Yeah. And that's what led me to think about it as a, an unlocking of ourselves, rather than a traditional personal branding approach. I thought, wow, that's, that's the key. That's the unlocking yeah. that people are looking for. So yeah, and I think I still test stuff all the time. I tested my podcast for a season on YouTube. So you know, got nice. some feedback. Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, it's a really interesting way to, to do that. Speaking of testing stuff out, what have you got coming up that's new perhaps or exciting or something you want to test out with building brand new <laughs> listeners? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, there are a few things going on, but I'll talk about the major two things that will be happening. So the first one is the E3 Customer Experience Conference which took place, the first of it took place last year as a virtual conference because of coronavirus. We couldn't hold as a physical conference. So the differentiating factor is that it's going to be, I think, the first of the kind customer experience conference in Saudi Arabia, in Riyadh. 
focusing on the GCC region. You know, the government is really pushing as a drive towards CX transformation. I think it's the right time and the right place to hold it. Uh, we'll be bringing together people from different parts of the country and different parts of GCC. So from healthcare, the Ministry of Health, other ministries and public sector, as well as the private sector will be involved in this. So it's not going to be limited to customer experience or technology. We're, we're trying to make it a, a whole holistic or all-encompassing conference, which focuses on both the technology aspect, but also the human aspect or the design aspect and innovation aspect of customer experience across three days. The mm-hmm. first day will be workshops where you can upskill your, yourself, boost your career development, learn new things, uh, learn new tools and methods that you can apply immediately into your workplace, followed by two days, which will have not just the talks and the panels, which will be quite, uh, the panels are going to be very um, assertive and interesting to watch. They're not your traditional nice, nice panels. As you know, Kim, you've been there, like you were there last year. Yes. Um, but but also it'll give people a chance to meet each other. And again, I'm hoping for that cultural, cross-cultural collaboration happening there with people coming from abroad, from Saudi, people getting to know and understand the Saudi cultural experience at first hand. In a nutshell, that's, what, that's one of the major uh, events that's happening. The other major thing that's happening is the launch of the CXSA Academy. So for people who are unaware, the CXSA is the Customer Experience and Service Association in the Middle East. Where our, fo- our focus is to establish a central body for the GCC region, for the Middle East region, uh, to promote and enhance customer experience education, but also have events, multiple events, have membership, uh, have specified specific training and certification focused on the region itself. So we have a six-tier customer experience certification program and we'll be launching the academy very soon which would have a mix of face-to-face plus online training i'll leave it to that and let people explore as as and when it launches yes and um we'll put uh links in the show notes to ensure people can can get straight to those those areas well it sounds like uh, you have a very busy and inventive time coming up yes quite inventive but a lot of hard work as well yeah, and pressure deadlines. So, if we were sitting here in a year's time, what would you, you know, what would you hope those two big, big initiatives would have would have yielded? Would you be having another conference? Would there be something else that's come out of it? What's your sort of big ambition for Saudi Arabia and customer experience? So, the big ambition is to is to kickstart with Saudi Arabia because there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of interest in in the field of customer experience, and then take it to other places within the GCC region for a start and really build, bring people together, build communities, but also enhance the level of education in customer experience, in service design, in innovation. And just seeing that evolve and grow, we don't have any kind of deadlines or targets. We're just here again with that curious and inquisitive mindset, just seeing how will this develop? Well, where will this lead us lead and take us to? Mm-hmm. Um, so the ambition really is to grow and do as much of this as possible, focus on bringing people together and focus on developing people as much as we can. There's the Game Changer GCC podcast, um, which is about, again, enhancing people's skills, helping people develop their career, but also making customer centricity your business game changing. Yeah. So when's that launching, Hassan? That's a good question. We're working on it. 
again, in, in, in the strive for perfection, we keep moving things, but we really need to get our MVP, our first draft ready. Hopefully, Exactly. You need month. to get your prototype and your MVP going. <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully within the next month or, or two. That, yeah, that should be great. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's three, three big things to, to round out 2021. So we've, um, we've spent about oh, 40, 45 minutes now um, talking about all sorts of things. And one of the things I like to sort of round us up with, if you like, is a nugget for building brand new listeners to take away with them. So, you know, we've talked about, you know, your background, um, your passion for exploring not only, you know, yourself, but people and places, cross-cultural humanism, moving between different things, you know, design thinking, service design, customer experience. Uh, you know, we've talked about quite a, a lot. So the $64,000 question is what's one, one nugget you'd like to leave building brand new listeners with today that they could take away and apply? So the difficult thing is having one nugget. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd like to share a few things and then we can hone down into one. Okay, great. Firstly, have the passion to create that change or have passion to make a change. I think that's really important to make a difference. You know, having that desire, that burning fire within yourself and that passion to do things. And that's what leads to having the, you know, the attitude of I can, you know, having the self-confidence within and believe in it within yourself. That's I think is really important for people to kick off things with. And then alongside passion is follow, following it up with hard work, which I'm sure Kim, you know, you a good example of self-discipline yourself, you know, making sure that you you do the stuff that you commit yourself to doing. Hard work, self-discipline, commitment, and surround yourself with the right people. So surround yourself with people who you can who you look up to or who you can learn from. That's really important, I think. And that surrounding does not have to be permanent. You know, it could be temporary. You could go to events and conferences if you like someone, if you know, if you look up to someone. Go and try, get a chance to meet them and say hi to them. You never know, they may turn into a good friend. In terms of quotes or nuggets, I would say to people, love for people what you love for yourself. So, you know, trying to understand what people like and then try to be of value to them. Uh, and there are two things I say to myself is that, you know, I'm here to make things easy for people and for myself. So try to give the easy path to people. Don't try to make life difficult for, for, for others and try to be a source of hope and happiness. It may sound very vague, but those are the kind of principles that I like to, I personally like to live by. And I think it can be easily applied to business I, and personal life. Yeah. yeah I, and I think we could all do with focusing on a little bit of hope and happiness after the 18 months we've had and with what's going on in the world. So yeah, I think yeah. that's a great nugget to yes. leave people with. Yeah. Uh, you know, if people wanted to uh, reach out to you, find out more, I mean, we'll put some of the, the links you've mentioned, we'll put the link to Matt Watkinson's book in the show notes. We'll put a link to the Design Council, Double Diamond approach in the show notes. And we'll put all of your your links in there as well so yep. people can find you. But what's the best way for people to find you if they want to reach out? Right. So there's one more link that could help people, which is Navigate CX. So that's our portal. So we'll be launching membership in the podcast soon. I think that could be very useful for people for the CXSA portal. Once they, you're a member, you can also view the previous E3 conference and all the recordings. Coming to your question of where people can find me, uh, LinkedIn is, is an easy place to go and just find uh, where they can reach out to me or my email, 
Okay. So those are two sources which I've opened, opened to people. Excellent. Well, Hassan, thank you so much for joining me on Building Brand You today. It, I think it's been a really, a really fascinating conversation. When we were talking about this episode, I was really interested in our conversation about how do you design your life? How do you bring design principles and that kind of experience thinking into our life? And I, I think, uh, I hope that Building Brand You listeners have found that angle on how to build brand new some yep. thought-provoking and interesting, um, but I really want to thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. You're very welcome, and thank you for, for, for being such a great host and for sharing your personal anecdotes as well. So really, really appreciate that. My pleasure. Listeners, I'll speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand New podcast. I'm Kim Hamer, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and for all the latest news and tips, become a member of the brand new Building Brand New Facebook group. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out more, please book in for a free 20-minute coaching call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.